The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. So let's get to Michael Spencer. He is our guest. Michael is the chief economist, also head of research for the APAC region at Deutsche Bank. He joins from Hong Kong. Michael, thanks for being with us. What's up for discussion today is the, the likelihood of recession. We know what the Fed's position is right now as it attempts to get inflation under control. Do you think it's inevitable that we're looking at a contraction in economic growth? Uh, I don't think it's inevitable, but it's most likely. In fact, uh, the U.S. economy probably today is already in what you might say is a technical recession. We're expecting second quarter growth again to be negative. But obviously, the labor market is still extremely strong. So we'd be reluctant to describe this as a proper recession. But by middle of next year, certainly, we think we will be in the U.S. in a proper recession with declining real GDP and an unemployment rate that's rising. Uh, and, and, and that given the pace at which the Fed is going to raise rates to try to suppress inflation, uh, you know, inevitable may be too strong a word, but extremely likely. The Fed has never gotten inflation down from such levels without pushing the economy into a severe recession. And how does that complicate the things, things rather, for the Fed going into this week when we know that they're going to hike aggressively, but they have to be looking forward, as you mentioned, too, to these concerns about a potential recession next year? Well, you, you can get quickly circular in your logic. And that's the, the problem, I guess, for policymakers is if they don't raise interest rates, that makes it much less likely that we're in recession, but they would have to accept much higher inflation. Um, so I think what they will do is they'll raise rates. We're expecting a 75 basis point rate hike. We're expecting them to signal that they will, uh, in the following meeting, again, raise rates 50 or maybe 75 basis points. Uh, and they will know in the back of their minds that this is increasing the risk that the economy goes into recession. But at this point, inflation seems the more imminent and more serious risk to the economy, threat to prosperity than uh, than a, a recession next year. I think that's pretty much what Fed, uh, Fed Chair Jay Powell has already said, that it's important to get the price uh, stability component right before you even consider the, the consequence. And re recession mm -hmm. is obviously one of those consequences. We've got U.S. housing data on Tuesday, a couple of key data points uh, that day. Do you think that we're already looking at enough contraction in the housing market where the Fed can feel reasonably confident that that part of the economy is beginning to cool down a little? Uh, cool down a little, but probably not enough. No, I, I think the Fed's view is that it, even in that sector and broadly in the U.S. economy, this is an economy that, that still looks like it's generating more inflationary pressures and, and they've got to act uh, aggressively against that. We're also looking at the strength of the consumer, but then as we were just talking about with our previous guest, it does really show the, the two-speed economy too when you have those that are still quite buffeted by savings from the pandemic and those that are really struggling with these higher prices. How does that all play out in terms of the doomsday scenario as well? <laughs> doomsday may be a little strong, but, but absolutely. I mean, I think, look, for central banks, the distributional 
as, uh, effects of monetary policy are things that I think central banks struggle with. Um, it, it's hard to set policy for an for a broad macro outlook for an economy uh, without almost necessarily hurting some parts of the population worse than others. And, and that's really the job of fiscal policy to try to, to, uh, to counteract those distributional impacts. So the, the Fed's view would be that overall, the U.S. consumer still looks to be in reasonably robust shape. Uh, consumption is shifting at the margin away from goods towards services, as was expected. Households still have a fairly large pot of savings accumulated uh, since 2000 that they are now eating into. Mm -hmm. And that's likely to sustain consumption for some time going forward. Um, and, and I think the Fed will just hope that the fiscal authorities can 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 help redistribute income if necessary uh, as they're raising interest rates. Energy, that story has been critical to understanding what's going on with inflation. Now, you could make a case that a stronger dollar for American consumers of crude oil products would take some of the sting out, but for the rest of the world, because oil is denominated in, in dollars, that it's not mm -hmm. going to be the same. Uh, are you confident that, that uh, we'll be able to look at lower energy prices at, in, in any way just because of demand destruction in the near term? And might that supply a bit of relief? Uh, confident, no, I guess, because, because still we have this huge overhang of geopolitical risk over world energy markets. Uh, you, you're right that to some extent U.S. consumers are shielded at the margin um, by these rising prices, by virtue of a stronger dollar and by being self-sufficient uh, in, in energy. But, uh, and, and in emerging markets, including uh, my region in Asia, the combination of weaker currencies and rising dollar uh, costs for oil and gas uh, is in some places the most important source of yeah. inflation. Let's get back to our guest, Michael Spencer, Chief Economist and Head of Research Asia-Pacific at Deutsche Bank. Joining us from Hong Kong and focus more in on Asia, we've been looking at the impact of uh, energy security and food inflation too. Just tell us, I guess, the concerns you have for both of those flowing through to Asian countries. Well, certainly, I mean, food is the single largest component of consumer price indices. And, and what we're seeing globally is... Uh, is essentially a repeat of the 2010-2011 food price shock, which was devastating in this region. Now, we've been spared the worst of that so far because rice prices have not been rising. Uh, and, and that's probably for, for a number of countries, that's the most important staple uh, in the diet. That seems unlikely to continue. Um, when you look at what energy prices are doing to the cost of fertilizer, either farmers are going to be using less fertilizer or there's going to be charging more uh, for rice. So the likelihood is that over the next year, food price inflation in Asia is probably going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, and then on the straight energy front, as we were discussing earlier, um, you know, the weaker growth in the US and, and Europe is beginning to put a bit of downward pressure on energy prices. Uh, but the geopolitical risk and the possibility of uh, maybe another shut off of Russian gas supplies to Europe, uh, escalation in the conflict in Ukraine, it, it's probably too much to expect that energy prices decline. Even if they just stay where they are, gradually the inflation impulse starts to come out. So we can reasonably, I think, expect second half of next year, inflation starts to decline. But I think for most economies in Asia, inflation, headline inflation is likely to rise over the next few months uh, before we any, see any relief uh, maybe by sort of Q2 next year. Yeah, we've seen monetary policy tightening already in places like uh, Singapore, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand, even the Philippines. 
Where are you in terms of the outlook for global growth right now? Are we going to see we were talking about the idea of recession earlier? I mean, if even if you put that aside, the technical deficit definition of recession, how, how much will growth kind of weaken to the point of it becoming perilously close to recession if we're not already there? Well, I guess at the global level, people sort of think that, you know, a growth rate below 3% is is the counterpart to or would classify as a recession in the global economy. And I think we're likely to be there next year. Um, so in that context, you know, the demand for Asian exports, which is still the main driver of the business cycle in Asia, that 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 demand is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. It's already slowing down, but to be honest, quite gradually so far. But our modeling suggests that by the end of this year, export volume growth for a, a number of the smaller economies in Asia could be essentially zero and negative for much of next year. Um, there are some countervailing forces at work in this region that will help, I think, to offset some of that uh, goods exports uh, slowdown. Firstly, services. As economies are opening up, you've seen a surge in tourist arrivals in places like Thailand and Singapore, and historically that's been very important for those economies. The numbers, of course, are still, by historical standards, extremely small. So it's maybe only later next year that it starts to have a macroeconomically meaningful impact, but that's one source of growth that may be uncorrelated with goods exports that we're watching. Uh, and secondly, it's just for a number of economies in Asia, domestic demand just feels like it's still slowly recovering from the COVID pandemic. Uh, social distancing restrictions have been eased, if not removed. We did see a, a strong recovery in consumption sort of through the winter months, but it still feels that there's some way to go for a number of economies. So domestic demand might hold up better than it normally does uh, when export growth slows. Uh, and, and we're looking at tourism for a number of economists being potentially an important source of growth next year. So the global recession may be a little bit less damaging to growth prospects in this region than it ordinarily would be. Yeah, and we've just been looking at some of the latest tourism data out of Singapore as well with hotel room rates at the highest in almost six years. Great to have you with us, uh, Michael. Michael Spencer, Chief Economist and Head of Research Asia Pacific at Deutsche Bank on the line from Hong Kong here for us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.